1: Thanks for listening to the latest Football Digest podcast available on all podcast platforms. Subscribe now through Spotify, Apple Podcasts, Acast or wherever you get your podcasts from so you don't miss a single episode. Hello and welcome along to Football Digest Extra Time with myself, Ned Keaton. I'm joined this morning by the brilliant Freddie Keely from the Daily Mirror take a look at some of the biggest talking points uh, from another busy weekend in football and Freddie I suppose there's only one place that we can really start this morning the first real big bit of silverware this season you know apologies to any major fans of the, the community shield and the, the UEFA Super Cup but, but the big Major first bit of silverware has been decided. Manchester United ending their wait for a trophy. Eric Tenhard getting his first trophy as Manchester United boss. 2-0 win over Newcastle United in the Carabao Cup final. Goals from Casemiro and Marcus Rashford in a bit of a blitz in the first half, wasn't it? Those goals coming in quick succession, but really giving Man United that kind of stranglehold, that 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 kind of control of the match, which they were able to see through to the end without too many problems, I think we can, we can say there. But Freddie, what does this trophy mean for Manchester United? Obviously, the fact that it has been such a long time for a club as big as Manchester United is, you know, that that was kind of obviously the, the kind of narrative going into this final, you know, waiting since 2017 for trophy. Man United have gone far too long without one. As a Tottenham fan, I'd say that this is relatively short and we shouldn't be called mere trout at all. Um, but from that perspective, for for the club going forward, this is going to mean so much for them getting that kind of weight off their shoulders. And and especially with the fact that they're, they're still in contention in all three other competitions this season.
0: Yeah, I think weight off the shoulders is the, is the right term. Um, as you said, I don't think there should have been too much weight put on it. it there was more than there. there should have been for just, you know, six years of um, a managerial upheaval um, and the last trophies coming under Mourinho in 2017. When you look at it like that, it doesn't seem like that long, I suppose. Things were made worse for Man United fans by seeing, you know, Man City and Liverpool competing at the top for the league title every season and reaching Champions League finals. Um, you know, that's you know, um, added to their worries recently. But um, as you say, they, they look a resurgent force under Eric ten Hag and um, having um, the manager get the get you know silverware just a matter of months really, on from taking over less than a year, very impressive and um, bodes very well for the future. I think.
1: Yeah, and in terms of, of that and Eric Ten Hag winning the trophy in his first season, what that will mean for him and, and how the players believe and, and probably even players who might be looking at Manchester United and thinking about, should I join that club? You know, not, not that I'm sure that there's probably too many issues and they have too many difficulties with convincing players to join. But it shows so much that the process is going in the right direction. I suppose if we flash back to August and to that defeat against Brentford, I think if you said to most people and how they played in that game and obviously the fact that they'd lost the week before against Brighton as well, that that first bit of silverware would go Manchester United's way and everything would be swimmingly and we'd be talking about a potential quadruple for Manchester United this season. Whether or not that that comes to fruition, obviously work to do in the Premier League to catch up uh, to, to after Manchester City in that title race. But it shows how quickly and how well Eric Ten Hag is taking things at Manchester United and actually probably shows that when it came to selecting that new manager and there was talk and it could have been Pochettino, it could have been Zidane, been Zidane but actually they've made the right decision here and that things look to be going in a very, very nice direction for Manchester United now. Absolutely. I mean, I think uh, imports
0: from the Eredivisie, like the Dutch league, I mean, you know, haven't always gone well, especially when it comes to players, but they seem to have got this one just right. And obviously you don't want to get ahead of yourself after... Only a Carabao Cup, but um, yeah, I, as you say, it feels like a, it, It's very hard to think of this being the same season as the one where last summer Man United were beaten four um, 0 at Brentford. It's it, and, and that was came after the, the pretty chastening Brighton defeat at home as well. Um, so the resurgence has been phenomenal. I think what's been most impressive about uh, about Ten Hag has been the way he's um, integrated. The new signs were also getting the best out of, you know, the players he had at his disposal. I mean, I suppose Casemiro, a player of his caliber um, with a trophy cabinet as stacked as his is doesn't take a huge amount of integration, but we've seen it before where players come in in these big money transfers with big names and again, that weight of expectation and it doesn't work to plan. But, you know, a, a player like him who is he's on the best kind of scoring run of his, you know, recent career, um, which is just another string in 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 his um, is Bo really, which is, you know, he's the most, you know, he's probably the best midfielder in the Premier League this season or well, up there, at least when it comes to defend, defensive midfielders. Um, and you know, the the man, the man for the big occasion, because you know the Newcastle had their had their spells in the first half as well, um, and they kind of laid bare just that their frailties are up front rather than at the back. But then, you know, when you're under the cosh, they weathered it. Um, Manchester United and and then Casemiro, the big player, came up with a goal for the delight as his manager,
1: really. You know, I was just thinking there, as she said it, and I was kind of, you know, in terms of the players that I'm about to mention here, um, obviously they're very, very different style of players, but I was just thinking that the last time Manchester United had a Dutch manager in charge and he went to Real Madrid and bought a South American midfielder, you were talking there about big money and the weight of expectation, obviously it didn't work out for Angelo Di Maria, but yeah, Casemiro is for sure having some first season in English football and, and kind of silencing all those critics that he had. Um, Another player that's having a, a superb season, and I suppose right now he's probably in the form of his life, um, is is Marcus Rashford getting that second goal. Yes, a slice of fortune uh, with the deflection that took it over Loris Karius and, and doubled Manchester United lead. But Freddie, when you're playing this well, those are the kind of little bits of luck that do tend to go your way. But since the World Cup, he has just taken his game to a whole new level. And, and we were speaking probably, but you know, I know Cristiano Ronaldo, wasn't the force and isn't the force that he once was but you know how that all ended you are looking at Manchester United who's going to be the man to step up who's going to be the man to, to get the goals admittedly Ronaldo wasn't getting it before he left but there was that kind of gap wasn't there for a superstar in this squad to kind of you know really take it by the struggle hold and say I, I'm the key man I'm the big presence in this team and well since Ronaldo's left and departed and headed for Saudi Arabia Marcus Rashford stepped up and went I am the man now this is, this is me this is Manchester United and this is my team come and beat us and it's just, it's brilliant for English football to see how well he's performing right now, especially of of, of the period that went before this.
0: Yeah, I mean the, the void left in the squad, I think you could easily look at, at, the, at the squad as it was with, you know, injury plagued, Anthony Martial, Anthony still trying to kind of adapt to to English football. And then when Ronaldo goes, there was a huge, you know, gap up front, which hasn't really been filled with Beghorst, even though his kind of all-round play has been... Been good, but unfortunately, I mean, Meghorst be- came into a team where he didn't have to be scoring the goals because Rashford, as I say, is in, is in the form of his career. and I mean, even he, he was electric yesterday as well, um, and gave, gave Trippier like the run around a few times, actually. But I mean, Cher did a good job of kind of getting over there and covering a few times, I think. And um, he had his slice of luck with that goal, but he, he's playing like a a man that's creating his own luck at the moment where he's, he's surging through, he's uh, you, you know, he's, he's got that. He's got the frame where, when he's in full in full flow, you can tell because he's got that swagger about him as well. And there's so much more to his game than just the the scoring side as well. So I just say it's a great thing to see for English football. And I think all of us are slightly um, bruised that he didn't come off the bench sooner you know, against France. Now.
1: <laughs> what might have been? We could have been talking about a World Cup winning Marcus Rashford there instead. If 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 that had all happened,
0: we could be. Um, but no, no he's, he's he's playing absolutely brilliantly. And um, I mean. I think on first view, on first I was very worried that there is another carrier's Howler, um, but I think, um, while I think that a better goalkeeper probably does maybe get a hand to that, well, obviously he's able to push it into his own net. Um, I think, you know, given, given the deflection and the way it's ballooned over him, I think we'll, we'll let him off that one. Actually, he kind of redeemed himself with, you know, a c- pretty good couple of saves towards the end of the second half. Um, but, you know, it was, all about, it was all about Rashford bursting through, really. It was, it was fantastic.
1: For this Manchester United squad now, we've seen it a few times in the past that that first trophy is the catalyst for more success. We've seen it with the Manchester City dynasty, we saw it with Liverpool as well and what that kind of led to down down the line with them on the clock. So we, it's not the first time that we kind of see it that they get that first trophy and then they kick on from here. And, and as we touched on, you know, they're still in the Europa League, still in the Premier League title hunt. Uh, both Pep Guardiola and Mikel Arteta are at absolute pains to say that it's not a two-horse title race. So you would suggest then that that means to the team in third, which is obviously currently Manchester United, are probably in the mix as well. Um, what, what can they achieve now until the end of the season? Can this be whatever they want? Is that Have they now got the confidence behind them to, to kind of really believe and kind of, you know, leave a stamp and, and leave their legacy? I know it's, you know, the Europa League isn't the Champions League, but even if United were to win that, as well as the Carabao Cup and, and Premiership the top four. That that would still be a successful season, Fordon, I'm sure. But there's a chance for so much more.
0: There is. I don't know. I don't think it'd be a surprise at all to see another another trophy um being lifted before the end of the season at Old Trafford. Um I think uh, quadruple chat is, you know, is it it's a great it makes a great headlines, but um, I'm not sure whether um I think the title race chat might be slightly premature um just because they have relied on Rashford so much and we we're already, you know, there was big concern about him before uh, the Carabao Cup final where, you know, he's kind of seen limby and stuff like that. He's almost, he's got that talismanic um, status with Manchester United as you know, Baccaro Saka does with Arsenal um, and, you know, that means that their, their kind of fitness and their form is under the microscope the whole time. Um, whereas, you know, I still think that Man- Manchester City will go on to win just because of the strength and depth that Pep Guardiola has. Um, but, you know, it's great for the it's great for the title that you know that at this point with what 14 games to go, there's um there's three teams in the race at least in in terms of you look at the points so you've got to say that Manchester United's in the race, um but you know if I'm if I'm Ten Hag and I've just lifted that first piece of silver, I'm going to be you know throwing the kitchen door at, um, at trying to win you know either the Europa League or, or the FA Cup now and um and and that plus, uh, two trophies plus a top four finish, imagine that that'd be you know phenomenal.
1: Again, especially when we flash back to that game against Brentford, and we're all thinking they might be in a relegation battle, here and they've got it completely wrong to, to the, the turnaround. And the speed of the turnaround has been astonishing. Freddie, just finally on the um, on the Carabao Cup, just a quick word on Newcastle and what this might mean for them. So obviously now we're talking about Manchester United perhaps kicking on, having won it. Is there a fear that this could put Newcastle in a bit of a tailspin? Um, I don't know maybe I'm getting a bit premature ahead of myself but you look at their recent results in the Premier League they've become a little bit more I should say leaky in terms of you know the success that they've had so far up to a certain point in the season up until about kind of the end of January had been built around such a brilliant tight defence that defence now looks a little bit more leaky as you said there the goals aren't necessarily flowing as, as much as they would like as well and even when they were keeping all those clean sheets they weren't the reason why they were drawing so many games and and, and haven't lost that many in the Premier League Liverpool the only team to beat them in the league this season I, know, I believe I'm writing both them. <laughs> two defeats and both against Liverpool but they were getting a lot of draws and they weren't scoring obviously they've, they've suffered a disappointment in the cup final they've dropped out of the top four as well last week um, as a result of, of that defeat to Liverpool and Tottenham beating West Ham is there now a concern that where there is has been so much positive talk around Newcastle and had been this idea, oh yeah, they'll be in the Champions League. And it was kind of almost not considered a gimme, but they were in a strong position to get that final top four spot. That the disappointments that they've had in the last couple of weeks, they need to bounce back very, very quickly in their next league game, get that win and, and kind of forget about February and, and look towards the end of the season.
0: Yeah, I, I wouldn't be too concerned if I was um, if I was a Newcastle fan, obviously we be like, Bitterly disappointed after yesterday, just because they're, you know, that's a proper trophy job. We were talking about six years for Manchester United earlier. That, you know, um, to the to the 50s and 60s for any silverware for a, a club of a club of their size is, you know, it's baffling. Um, but the signs of progress are there. And the new ownership that's obviously kind of about a year and a half into um, tenure now is um has taken a very steady and slow approach to kind of gradual progress and they haven't, you know, broken the bank in the transfer market immediately um, and gone after that kind of short term, um, let's get a load of silverware. Um, they are well behind Eddie Howe and you get, you could see in the kind of reaction yesterday, he had Amanda Stavely at Wembley and, you know, embraced all the players, she had a beaming smile on her face. They're clearly very, very, it was clearly a target for this season to kind of get that far in a cup, you know, even if, even if they had you know, suffered heartbreak on the day. Um, so, but you, yeah, scoring goals will continue to be a problem. And they've got the best defensive record in the league by yeah, quite some distance. And uh, yesterday, they didn't really, I, I, I think, you know, it was a set piece where you, where you had a very nearly offside goal and a pretty unfortunate own goal. So it was, um, and the XG reflected that as well. So I wouldn't be too concerned about the way they're conceding, Like even though they kind of are creeping in a bit more, but they do need to find, um, a, you know, of a, a formula up front that works because, um, you know, Callum Wilson had a you know a couple of half chances yesterday. Saint Maxim was electric on the left, but um, struggled to kind of summon that end product. Alexander Isaac was really good when he came on, I thought, but again, he's not a prolific player, um, and he I never was. I think he came with Real Sociedad, um even if he's like a very good all-round striker. So um, scoring goals, yeah, especially with you know Miggy Yamron out of his kind of purple patch that he had earlier this season as well. Um, is a real problem and I think you know they've got to re- reassess just what you know. Newcastle fans got to remember where they wanted to be at the end of the season um, and you think if you know European qualification in any capacity um, combined with a cup final I think you've probably got to be quite happy with that I think
1: Yeah absolutely I think in terms of the kind of roadmap that they're on for sure you kind of think that they might have jumped a few steps had they gone into the Champions League this season but, but it's, it's, it's still up for grabs for them Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. Freddie, moving from one cup competition to another, but perhaps staying on, on the theme of Manchester United, the return of the FA Cup in midweek. So they go straight from their last three games, isn't it? It's been the Europa League, then then the Carabao Cup final, And now we've got the FA Cup coming up as well. Um, up against West Ham at home on Wednesday. We would expect... Looking at the Premier League table and, and how things have gone, I know West Ham are going to come into this game full of confidence after that big win over Nottingham Forest at home in the league at the weekend, but Manchester United out in front of their fans, having ended that trophy drought at Old Trafford, it's going to be a great atmosphere in there for sure. Um, and this march towards, you know, I, I won't say quadruple, but I'll, I'll say domestic cup double potentially, uh, mirroring what your, your lovely Liverpool team did last season. Um You would expect them to get the better of West Ham and continue that domestic cup double uh, push, even if it's not a quadruple push.
0: Yeah, I I think so. Um, You know, like West Ham have been, well, they've, again, another team that's really struggled in front of goal recently. But it was great to see, I always like seeing Danny Ings score. He gets on the end of stuff and he he just, he's got a great record, hasn't he? Um, And, you know, Jared Bowen and Declan Rice playing like the players that we saw a lot last season. Rather than you know the kind of kind of dampened performances that we've seen recently, um, so they'll they'll bring a lot of uh, confidence into this. you wonder how strong Manchester United will go after the final, just because it has been a very taxing run. Obviously, playing that game with Barca was quite attritional. Um, Capital Cup final it was a huge occasion. So you wonder whether Tenner is going to really stick with his strongest team here. But um, I mean, I, I certainly would be advise him um, with a you know a spot in. Um, in the next round, um, like the really the business end of the tournament on the line, um, it's going to be it's going to be a good game. Um, and I think you know David Moyes, given that he's got you know a bit of momentum behind him now, should yeah, should stick with uh, his strongest team as well. So it's going to be another another good midweek of cup a- cup action. I think.
1: Yeah, and in terms of, um, you know, the other teams and, and those that are kind of in the mix, you'd expect Man United to be one of the favourites and you'd expect their cross-City rivals, Manchester City, to also be uh, among the kind of favourites, obviously, should the draw go their way. But Manchester City up against Bristol City in the FA Cup, you would expect Manchester City to progress past this and would have two Manchester clubs in the quarterfinals. Yeah, definitely. Um,
0: you know, the City have been, I mean, or Guardiola has a habit of kind of, a bit of a curveball when it comes to these domestic cups and who they who they play, um, I like in terms of like his um his team selection, but they'll should just have far too much quality um for for Bristol City, I think, and um, I mean I assume they're the bookmakers' favourites this season, especially with uh kind of Liverpool the holders out. Um, but you know, <laughs> not out of the realms of possibility that we could see a kind of Manchester derby um in at Wembley in May, so um be a pretty good occasion, wouldn't it?
1: Well, ideally, it's a Tottenham fan, and we're still in the cup, and I'm coming on to them in a second. I would not mind it if we had Manchester derby even in the quarterfinals or at Wembley in the semi-finals instead. That being said, that would obviously rely on Tottenham having progressed to those stages as well. Um, Christian Stalini looks like he's going to be in charge anyway uh, again for the uh, for Tottenham's trip to Sheffield United in round five of the FA Cup. He's had some record, isn't he? Um, As as Tottenham's kind of supply teacher, I think I'll put it down in the running order as, but even if you trace it back, I was listening to, um, I I was in the car yesterday, I was listening to Radio 5 Live um, and they were talking before Tottenham's match against Chelsea and they were talking about the run that he had even dated back to uh, under Antonio Conte uh, at Inter Milan uh, where the pair obviously worked together before coming to Tottenham. And he had, because Conte, and, and this will shock you, Conte had a couple of touchline bans. Who, who would have expected that from a, from the rather animated Italian on the sidelines? But when he had a couple of touchline bans um, in Italy, Stellini took charge of, of Inter there, was unbeaten, had a perfect record, won both games. And every game that he's been in temporary charge of Tottenham this season, obviously, say the Champions League, and the recent games um, with, with Antonio Conte having undergone surgery, again, he seems to be getting a bit of a tune out of, Tottenham, but it is an interesting. It's an interesting quirk, isn't it, that they seem to be kind of clicking and getting the results. And and you know, they beat Manchester City at home. They beaten West Ham, and and they've got the better of Chelsea now as well. Those are three necessarily difficult games for as a Spurs fan that we normally slip up in. And you know, we haven't. Um, I think it's our first, not even our first, um, you know, first win against Chelsea at the new stadium. First time I think we scored actually more than them goal against in the new stadium as well. But he seems to be having an impact on this team whilst Antonio is away. It is it is quite interesting to to kind of see that element and, and you wonder kind of how the the relationship is between the players and him with, you know, whilst the cat's away, the mice are playing very, very nicely almost. It is. It's been, yeah, it's been one of the kind of, uh, yeah, amusing, and,
0: you know, like narratives. like actually narratives the last, you know, month or so. And, you know, thoughts go out to Conte with his, his goal batter. Hopefully he's on the, he's on the men because it seems to be a bit of complications that actually came back and then had to go away again so um, yeah clearly clearly not a routine uh, routine recovery for him but um, uh, Spurs players yeah he's getting a tune out of them is still and um, I mean it's just it's, again you look at you look at Tottenham's form and it's wins over City Chelsea West Ham and then a four at Leicester. so it's just it's just that kind of inconsistency that continues to that could continue to kind of derail that top four um, push really, but I think given the performances we've seen um, in recent weeks and you know, thinking about Newcastle slipping down a bit as well, then you, you probably think that Spurs are well positioned to, to nab that final Champions League spot and um, as you say, still in, still in the FA Cup, a winnable tie here um, and all of a sudden, you know, you know it's not, again, it, we were talking about earlier, it feels hard to remember that Man united Brentford was this season Spurs were in the of conversation in September, if I, could, if unless I'm really mistaken, I think it. Um, and you know, it's amazing how how quickly things change because then all of a sudden people are talking about is Conte going to last season, is he going to sign a new deal? But actually, um, you know, Chip, uh, you know, called to finals the FA Cup beckoning and and a, and a top four finish. It could it could prove to be a I mean, you know, it's only a one nil aggregate um, disadvantage when uh, when Milan come calling as well. Keep talking like that, you won't
1: be invited back on this show. Um, <laughs> um, it's fine. I think I'll probably put in a few pointed jibes about Liverpool as well this morning. So it's all in jest, it's all fine, I'm sure. I'll just go and cry off camera afterwards. Um, just looking at the other uh, FA Cup ties that we've got, and you're looking at kind of the, the, there's one or two ties that for me stand out. You know, you always do this when it comes to an FA Cup round. Um, in terms of you always look for ones that that kind of almost might be prime for shocks. And for me, I think there's two that stand out in particular. Number one, Leicester versus Blackburn. Um, Leicester still haven't, I know, you know, obviously we touched on it there that they got that lovely win against Spurs, but they're still, you know, kind of not in the strides, not the Leicester that we've become accustomed to in recent seasons. Uh, and the other one of course is southampton against grimsby bottom of the premier league at home to a league 2 club and that has all the hallmarks of a uh, of a cup shock on it and i'm sure you probably share my suggestion in those two being the two prime candidates for a shock if we are to see one in this round
0: yeah i think so um well i would say i mean I, I don't know a huge amount about stokes form at the moment but brighton seem to have a habit of kind of crashing out innocuously in these cup competitions as well And you might think that they have the ability to go further cuz i think you Know the impressive job Roberto De Zerbi's done. You would think that they'd be primed for run deep into the competition with a winnable tie, but maybe I'd chuck that in there with the kind of Leicester Blackburn and um and Southampton Grimsby's. Um, but yeah, I, yeah, some old eyes on St. Mary's on Wednesday night.
1: <laughs> sounds like you're suggesting and, and wondering whether or not Alexis McAllister can do it on a cold midweek night at Stoke by the sense of it. <laughs> we might have find... Yeah, <laughs> might not find out if Messi could do it, but we might find out if uh, Alexis McAllister could do it instead. Um, just before we go this morning, Freddie, we do have some Premier League action, uh, midweek action to look forward to as well. Um, Arsenal, they're at home to Everton, Liverpool at home to Wolves, both on, uh, on Wednesday night. In terms of those matches and what they mean... I mean, for for all four of them, really, you know, for for different reasons. Obviously, Everton and Wolves are at, at the bottom of the Premier League. Liverpool trying to claw their way back into the uh, into the top four. Mix and Arsenal looking for a title uh, challenge, looking to sustain it, move further clear of Manchester City as well. These these are testing games, you know, and and recently as well, Everton beating Arsenal. Uh, at Goodison Park last uh, earlier in February, likewise Liverpool losing at, at Wolves recently too. The, you kind of look at these and the subplots that go on in these games, then that will exist around them. I mean, they're they're not necessarily mouthwatering when you, you kind of just look at them on a sheet, but when you look into the, the kind of the, look a little bit further into them, they, they do kind of throw up for. They suggest that they should be interesting games at least, anyway.
0: Yeah, I think so. I mean, it was so it was written in the stars really that Sean Dyche's first game as Everton manager that he'd, you know, get an attritional one 0 win over the Premier League leaders. Um but it's pretty hard to see that happening again at the Emirates, um, given the place the way that place's been booming recently. And um it wasn't pretty from, from Arsenal at the weekend and, you know, more VAR controversy, but um, you know, getting a getting a one 0 win and when you're not playing especially well, um, Again, we're talking about Gabriel Zeus being out of action, Thomas Partey struggling for fitness as well. Um, so, you know, they're, 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 they're finding a way to keep this title race really interesting and keep that lead at the top of the table. Um, Liverpool, on the other hand, I think I'm pretty sure it was the the Wolves' defeat where Klopp said it was, you know, pretty much the worst performance that he's seen in since he took, took over. So uh, there's a point to prove there as well. Um, it's fairly hard to see how the Reds are going to prove it, given kind of lifeless performance at against Palace on um on Saturday. Um but you know, I mean again, I mean, we talked. I was talking about Tottenham's inconsistency earlier. Um, Liverpool have taken that and amplified it about, about nine times um this season. So um it's yeah, I mean I I think I'd probably rather be watching Arsenal Everton um this midweek. But um you know, last after um uh,
1: maybe maybe we can claim revenge um over yeah over Wolves. <laughs> Just just from a fan's point of view um, and, you know, myself being sake of an outsider then sake of a neutral when it comes to Liverpool and despite the fact that I might mention on this show before that my my old man is a Liverpool fan but is it frustrating in terms of you look at kind of Merseys- Merseyside derby get the win there play well at Newcastle get the win there go 2-0 up against Real Madrid you know, when when Liverpool went 2-0 up against Real Madrid I'm thinking wow, they, they are back they have somehow found you know, regained whatever they'd lost this season. They they seem to have found their mojo back again. And then obviously how that game panned out and then the performance against Crystal Palace, I mean, you said there about inconsistency. It must be, you know, you kind of think you're climbing the mountain again and you, you're back on the way up and then it just seems to have not gone that way in the last, you know, game and a third, shall we say, you know, the the kind of or, or a game and two thirds against Real Madrid, uh, I think is what we'll describe that as.
0: Yeah, yeah, it's. Um, I think... I mean the last season's quadruple charge seems to left players so like so knackered. You know, seeing like players that used to absolutely dominate pressing, um, really struggling to gain a foothold now and being overrun in midfield, run ragged in defence, and um and a bit short of ideas in attack as well. So you know you could put all that together, and then um and then all you've got is Allison. Really, has been you know our best player this season, and then even he was prone to matching Thibaut Courtois with a howler last last week. So um uh yeah I mean I would not sound like Jamie Carragher who pretty much said this. I think he was on um on Champions League coverage and just saying, well, kind of edged Everton in a you know the worst Everton team we've seen in a long time in the Merseyside Derby got outplayed by a new a ten man Newcastle for a lot of that game as well after Nick Pope um was sent off. So were Liverpool ever really back Um, probably not Um, and then but then it is pretty hard to uh, kind of then reconcile that with that first 15 minutes against Real Madrid and then what we saw afterwards as well Um, I think I mean the the main difference on the day I think was the golfing class in in midfield Um, Modric producing another timeless display um, and they're just completely unflappable Real Madrid on the European stage 14 time champions for a reason and they go 2-0 down and didn't seem phased by it at all and just knew that a player of you know Vinicius's quality that the chances were going to come and then when you've got you know ben, inevitable that Benzema was going to be fit for that game as well um yeah players of their quality it was they just don't they just don't get uh nervous about being 2-0 down at Anfield they know they know what they're going to do.
1: Freddie for your sake I hope Liverpool could get the win um against Wolves this week um and just finally, before we go this morning, do you want to uh, do you want to flag a, some uh, lovely news uh, regarding one of our colleagues uh, here at Reach, um, and it regards the uh, Mirror's Jacob Leakes, who uh, won the Football Media Award at the Football V Homophobia uh, Awards uh, at the weekend. Um, Freddie, I'm sure you join me in saying a uh, brilliant work that Jacob does uh, around that topic, um, and and a well deserved award win. And of course, you can uh, read all of. Jacob's lovely stories. You can read all the Freddy's stories as well, uh, if you so wish, uh, on the Mirror's website. And of course, you can keep up to date with all the latest uh, from football in terms of you know transfers and breakouts and quotes and everything. Basically all you want from football. You can keep up to date with the latest uh, across the Mirror, across the Star and across the Daily Express. Uh, but for now, it's goodbye.